Hi guys, uh, it's me. Um, excuse my, the sound of my voice and the look and everything like that. I have a something. My nose is congested and I feel really stuffed up. And I just wanted to make this video today to announce this month's theme. Uh, this month's theme for Wudo is Atulegu, which means in Igbo, do not fear. Fear not. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that theme today in this video. So Atulegu means do not fear. Atulegu, Atulegu. Uh, it just means do not fear. And um, you often hear this phrase said when... Um, you know, somebody's about to go into a situation that they're supposedly to be afraid of. And so, for example, um, you know, one might be about to, maybe a, ch a child, a, a mother tells a child who might be afraid of the darkness. Oh, uh, somebody might be afraid of the darkness and say, hey, the mother might tell them, you know, God, God, it, may, it might be nighttime. It might be nighttime. It's like, God, Daisy, uh, without uh, my uh, you know, go to the, go outside and get me the machete. And, you know, the child may be looking kind of like fearful and the mother say, actually, that, that's, I think it, there's nothing out there for you to be afraid of. Just go, go and get it. So it's, do not fear is a, is a, um, is a something that should be of comfort to somebody. And the reason I chose the theme Atulegu for the month of uh, October is because as we all know, as many of us know, here in the West, we often celebrate Halloween, um, in, um, October, October 30th, 31st. And October, generally like the whole month is spent kind of, um, excuse me, the whole month is generally spent in, in uh, kind of preparation or celebration for Halloween. And what happens on Halloween is people, children, parents usually take their children outside. They go from house, they go door to door, from house to house, and go what they call trick or treating. And they pretty much just tell the, you know, ask for, you know, the children come and knock on their neighbor's door or people in different neighborhoods, they knock on the door. And they, the people come out of their houses, they have their candy. And they give they give the give the children candy, um, give whatever children come to their house they give them some candy, and then all the they you know they have candy uh, set aside for the children whenever they come they give them some. Now, this is something that happened a lot when I was younger. I never got to go trick or treating. Obviously, I mean not obviously it might not be obvious to some people. I never got to go trick or treating because I mean my family never really celebrated Halloween, but a lot of Americans do celebrate Halloween. And do this whole thing, do this whole uh, celebration where they go, where the children go house to house getting candy from all the neighbors. Um, I don't, I, you know what? I'll be really surprised if it is practiced this year or if it continues to be practiced much longer in this culture because I feel like our culture has become, American culture has become very distrustful of one another. So I'd be very surprised if it continues for very much longer, but that's a whole other story altogether. I think with the information age, with more information coming out, uh, the people are able to actually see each other's flaws as opposed to seeing this kind of, um, 
you know, uh, utopian vision of humanity that we used to see on uh, TV all the time as we were growing up back in the day. Um, I think watching that utopian fantasy about life uh, was probably made us more trustful of people. And now that we're actually seeing that, oh, behind all the roses and flowers, there were actually a lot of thorns and people with brokenness and woundedness that were actually hurting or desiring to hurt one another in different ways. So that's why I wonder if uh, Halloween will continue for much longer. But I digress. The real reason I want to uh, talk about Atulengu today is I feel that in um, the mission of Wudo is to be a place where um, is is to be a a source of emo inventions, entertainment, um, uh, technology, literature. Okay, so let's say that. So. Um, Wudo is to be a source of Igbo digital media for Igbo people. That's what Wudo is. And, and that's the purpose of Wudo. So, um, and, and so my, what my goal is, is to encourage not just Igbo people, but all Africans to be confident enough, to be encouraged enough, to feel free enough to create for themselves, to create for themselves, not creating for um, someone else's culture, but to create for themselves. Because, I mean, there's, I don't think I have to explain why. Just be confident enough to create for yourself. I think one of the biggest problems that we face in this world is a lack of confidence in ourselves. We spend a lot of time A lot of people in this world are invested in convincing you and me and everybody around you that you are not enough. That is the heart of capitalism. That is the heart of the system that we currently live in, which is designed to want to sell you something. And so there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with selling and buying things. But this culture is designed and it, it teaches, it, we teach each other to do this. Um, and we've been teaching each other to do this for the, for a very long time, ever since probably the industrial revolution, um, to teach, teaching each other to convince each other. Like it's not only the system that does it, but then we do it ourselves because we drink in the poison of the culture around us and we become part of the machine of that culture, the, the cultural machine, which goes around trying to t infect everybody with this idea that you are inadequate. Therefore, I have what you need. So let me give you what you, let me give you for myself to complete you. And then we convince each other that, oh yeah, this is just how life is. This is just how people are. But the fact of the matter is you have to think was it, is that true? You have to question every thought, is that true? Was it always like this? Before, you know, there was this, what was there? And was that, and what was the situation? What was life like back then? So there are people who live today who can't remember what life was like before 
there were cell phones. I remember what life was like before there were cell phones. I was fine. I'm still here. I'm still alive, aren't I? You know, so there's people here who don't remember what life was like before the internet. I remember what life was like before the internet because I was alive at that time. And see, I still am alive. Lots of people got places. There are people here who wonder what life was like before there was GPS. And there are people here today who actually think to themselves, I don't know what I would do without my cell phone. I would simply die without my cell phone. I can't possibly live without my laptop. And the fact of the matter is these things are only, these things are are less than less than 20 years old. They're, these things are like less than the age of many teenagers out here. So they're not even fully matured as products yet. And we're already saying we can't live without them. So I just want to, uh, bring that up today because I want us to think about this. Don't be afraid that there's anything that you can't do. Don't be afraid that there's anything you can't do without. Uh, don't be afraid of pretty much, don't be afraid of yourself because at the end of the day, and don't be afraid of others because at the end of the day, um, you are complete. You are complete. You are complete in who you are. Um, everything you need is already there with you. And I want everybody to understand that. And that's one of the biggest things that I want people to understand through the Wudo brand. Everything you need is already in you. You shouldn't depend on somebody to tell you how you should, like what you need to do to be enough. And I want you to think about that statement for a minute because some of you will be like, yes, there'll be you'll, some people of you will be like, yes. And you'll think about one person in your life who has been telling you that you're not enough and you'll re resign that statement to that person. Or you, you'll think of somebody in your life who you hate and who you don't want to hear anything from them. You don't want to hear their voice at all. And you'll resign that statement to that person. Maybe that person is your mother or your teacher or your pastor or someone and that person has been shouting on you you need to you know take out your hair you need to take out this uh ishi dada you need to you know lose weight you need to uh speak english you need to and you'll only think about that one person and you'll say yes this person uh i'm, I'm enough i don't need you to tell me but i want you to think about this yes you're enough and that person is wrong but there's a lot of other people who are also rocking your life that you've probably not agreed to reject their, their down talking to you. It could even be your best friend, your best friend who has been saying to you, you know, you know, I love you and you have a lot of great things to say, but I really think you need to get rid of that, you know, thing that you love so much or it could even be your teacher who is like, yeah, you have all the potential of the world, but you just refuse to learn English. And you just have this terrible accent. I wish, you know, if only you could just speak properly, you would be, a, you would be able to be successful in life. There's so many people who have these subtle, some of the most dangerous enemies of, uh, can be the ones who will compliment you on one hand and say, if only they're the actual, they're actually worse than the ones who will straight up tell you, I hate you. Someone who says, I hate you. They've laid all their cards on the table and it's like, okay, 
that I don't, I, next, I can't do anything with this person. Next, you don't waste your time on someone who tells you, I hate you. But when somebody tells you, I love you, but that is even more dangerous than I hate you. So I'm going to leave you with this. Think about when I say Atalegu, think about the, uh, the Israelites wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. And I believe it was Joshua and Caleb. I believe those are the two. And then there were some other Israelites, strong men who went into, uh, the promised land ahead of the rest of the Israelites. It was probably like 2 million Israelites. And so they took, chose 10 of these 10 Israelites the strongest and the most valiant of the Israelites and told them to go to the promised land and check it out and come back and tell us what you see. And like eight of the Israelite men who went there came back and were scared. Eh? Eh? I, I think that's the right way to say it. I can't, I don't know for sure, but uh, they were afraid and they came back and they told the cab, they were like, look, I don't think we should go because those men are not normal men. They are giants. And they are literally going to eat us alive, like grasshoppers. You know, there's a lot of great things there, but like, seriously, we're not ready. And so the two, so, but there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, I believe, who, if I'm, I may be wrong about the names, but I think I'm right, um, who came back and said, you know what? Yes, they're right. There are giants in there. They're ginormous compared to us. They're probably stronger than us, but our God is greater. You know, that, you know, the whole thing is that, you know, we can do this, guys. I know that it looks difficult. I know that it looks insurmountable. I know that the there's, there's trouble on every side, but honestly, what is, what we have, what the power that is with us is actually greater than anything that could stop us. And so he wasn't even guaranteeing the victory when he said that. What he was saying was that we we are powerful enough that it doesn't matter. Let's go. If you've read the Bible, you know the rest of the story. Joshua came back, told them that, hey, guys, don't be afraid. And what did they do? They, they were afraid. They were afraid. And because of that, they were they ended up wandering in the wilderness for the next 40 years, unable to enter the land that was right there. It was right there in front of their eyes the whole time. It's like, just claim it, just claim it. And as a result, they pretty much ended up wandering in the wilderness for another 40 years, um, unable to claim their birthright, claim what was rightfully theirs. It was theirs all along. And only because they refused to believe that believe the people who told them that, you know, this is yours to claim. So, or not even that this is yours to claim, but you can claim it. So I don't want Africa to be like that. There are too many, there's too many countries in Africa right now that have convinced themselves that some standard that is outside of themselves, the standard itself is outside of themselves. So not even just that the thing they're trying to claim is outside of themselves, but the standard is outside of themselves. Um, there's too many of us that are chasing, chasing, uh, are chasing ourselves in that way. We spend our lives saying, um, I want to find myself. That's a, that's a scary, scary phrase. I want to find myself. And it's scary because how are you going to find yourself 
Are you not the one that's that is doing the seeking? Where are you? It's like, are you are you a, a, a ghost that is that is here, and you're chasing the real you somewhere that's not there yet? What kind, does that make sense? That doesn't make any sense. How can you find yourself? There's nothing to find. You're either you or you're dead. <laughs> so there's nothing to find. I actually, yeah, don't 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 look for yourself. You're already right there. Um, so as far as that is concerned, I think that people, uh, especially Africans, we need to stop trying to uh, match any expectation. I think the biggest problem that we have is that we don't know, we don't know, uh, I think we, we, we continue to live in the past or we live in the future, but we're not living right now. And I think the reason we do this is because you know, one of the biggest deceptions that we, that our minds have played on us as well as other people have used it intentionally to trick us is that we think that, um, we have this illusion of transformation. You know, we see Superman turn from Clark Kent to Superman. We see the Power Rangers, uh, use their special badges to turn, transform themselves from regular people into some superheroes. We see caterpillars turn into butterflies. We see it rain and then sunshine and then rain again. And we think that this transformation thing happens, that one day you're something and then the next day you're not. Next day you're something greater. So we always have this illusion of pro progress that's happening in our brain. But the fact of the matter is that's just an illusion. It's a, it's, it's, it's a mirage. It's a hologram. It's not real. Um, this illusion that we are one thing and that we become something greater is false. What you are is who you, who you are, who you are. And you can become something else through work, through you know, whether that work is plastic surgery or, you know, uh, beauty products or uh, whether you call them beauty products or just products that transform the way you look, um, whether it's, you know, the, the learning that you do to change the way you think. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're still you. You're still who you are. You just have more information in your brain. You just have more, a different look on your face. And what we, what we, what we, when we let go, when we, when we forget that we are still who we are and we actually attain some kind of almost godlike, almost like we almost start to worship the idea of something else that we could become, when we start to idolize the idea of who we are becoming by that transformation and we, we aren't as realistic, we aren't as sober-minded about what, who we are and what we are becoming by putting on a little bit of extra face or learning a little bit of extra information, um, when we're not honest with ourselves about that and we think that we're becoming something for some greater purpose that is beyond just what our human, it's our, our humanity, that's what, that's what happens, that, that's what happens when, that's, that results in us either becoming depressed, suicidal, um, angry, bitter, um, disappointed disillusioned as a re after we get there you find out so many people go to war like they spend their whole life training for something whether it's to go be a soldier or whether it's to go be an athlete or whether it's to go be a, a astronaut and then after they reach the goal they become extremely depressed and they they become something happens they just snap they're like you know 
they think that once they get to that point, people will respect them more, or they'll be happier, or somebody will love them. And when they reach there, and those things are not what happened, all of a sudden they become very, very bitter. And I think that's happening right now in, in our society where they're like, oh, we thought that, you know, when we do this, that this will happen. Or when, when we vote this person as president, things will become better. Or what this is. But it's like you can't, you can't, you can't get, you can't get water from a rock. You can't get blood from a stone. You, it, it, it's, if it's not, if something is not meant to do something, it's not going to, you can't have that magical thinking and think that something is going to happen. The reason I'm saying is, is that some of you think that once you learn English, your life will be better. Some of you think that once you learn English, you'll become millionaires. Some people, some of you think that once you, you know, come to America, you know, people will just start giving you money for no reason. But the fact of the matter is, think, you know, think about what it is that you're asking for and don't don't think of anything that you're don't don't ascribe properties and see sometimes i use these big english words and i don't even remember who i'm talking to or if people even i know sometimes i talk and nobody really knows what i'm talking about but i this is the language that i speak don't um don't ascribe properties to or don't give something the um don't give something more value than it's worth. Don't give something more credit than it's worth. Don't don't say that. Oh, once we get it's for example, in Igbo land, everybody. Uh, uh, there's many people who are wishing for Biafra. Okay, fine. I think for a particular group of people with the same language to have their own country is a beautiful thing. Even if you have different dialects of the same language, as long as you guys have the same cultural understanding, it's a beautiful thing. Because the only thing that takes for a country to sustain itself is a common culture, common understanding of the way we do things, and accepted, you know, some accepted way of doing things, and a way to defend itself from its enemy. So there's nothing wrong with 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 the idea of that, but don't ascribe that worth and value to the idea of Biafra or anything else. Don't ascribe more value to it than what it really is capable of. Uh, because when you do that and you're disappointed, and disappointment happens every day to everybody from everything, you may, you may get this bottle of water and say, oh, when I finish drinking this, I won't be thirsty anymore. After one hour, you're thirsty, and you say, "This this water is so useless. Why why should I ever drink water again?" So don't allow yourself to be disappointed like that. Think of everything with as much value as it has. Be very very intentional in doing that, because when you use magical thinking to think that certain things have magical powers or magical properties, you think that once you come to America, your life will be happy. You think that once you get a certain amount of money, all your problems will go away. You're fooling yourself. You're only deceiving yourself. So what I'm saying is that even with, with, uh, with us trying to learn our own language, create things that are in our own language, I don't think that all of our problems will, I don't think that all African problems will go away once we all learn, once we all have things that are in our own language. But what I do think is that what we can have is 
our language not perishing. And I think that's a very beautiful and powerful thing. And I also know that, let me come to that in a second. Let me hold on to that. Basically, oh, so uh, what I, going back to what I said about what makes a country great, what makes, what makes a country itself. What makes a country itself, we agree upon certain things and we have a way to defend ourselves against people who might be trying to disrupt or destroy the ways of our people. So no matter how small a group of people are, no matter how, uh, no, no matter how, um, no matter how peaceful the people are, there's always going to be something that's going to be responsible for protecting those people from those who want to threaten the peace of that group of people. So there's really just two big things: sustaining the the civil, the peace, the civil order the way these people choose to live their lives, and then, uh, then protecting those people from outsiders who may want to destroy their way of life that these people have agreed upon. And I think that one of the biggest problems in Africa is that we don't have a, an agree upon, we, we haven't agreed upon what we're protecting. And for that reason, we're not protecting anything. So that's a whole other story altogether. And I think that also comes from you know, not knowing your enemy. Like if you know, you know, there was a time where there was a, an excuse where we could say, well, we weren't able to defend ourselves because we didn't know who our enemies were. I'm speaking in terms of some, the slave trade and the colonizations. Many of the people who sold their own brothers in slavery, into slavery didn't even know what they were selling their brothers into. They thought it was just normal slave trade where they were selling their people to be house girls and house boys at someone else's home the way that they already had this type of servitude, indentured servitude in um, in uh, Africa at the time. But that's a whole other story altogether. Um, so but my, my point of that is just to say that many Africans didn't know the nature of slavery when it, or the nature of what the colonizers came for. They did not know who their enemies were at the time, which is what led them to be subjected because they didn't have any any recognizance they didn't have any spies they didn't have anyone to tell them hey this is what these people are up to this is why this is what their thoughts are towards you this is what they're you know they didn't have any 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 previous experience with the outside world to know that there were people out there who were literally plotting and scheming sitting down in a room and saying hey we're going to take this country we're going to take that country we're going to take they didn't know anything about imperialism they didn't know anything about that anybody could do anything on that great of a scale just to go out of their way to sabotage you. But I think this is the year 2017 and there is no excuse. We know exactly what's going on. You, we, we, it's, it's theirs. There are people, there are dead, the, 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 the history books and the pages of history and the internet and everywhere is full of carcasses and people just shouting a warning message to, um, to us and there's really no excuse but anyway that's not what i came to talk about my whole point is that um you know that whole that whole little thing was just to say that you can't protect yourself from an enemy that you don't know but in general i'm just saying now that you don't now that you know uh, if you know what your enemy is whether it's somebody who's telling you that you're not enough whether it's even yourself whoever it could be um now that you know 
my now next response to you is to fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be exactly who you are. Uh, do not be afraid to uh, create for yourself. And that's the big thing I wanted to say. Now, uh, the last piece that I want to go back to is the value of our language not perishing. Obviously, there's many values to our language not perishing. I don't remember what exactly the one that I wanted to talk about at that time was when I let it go and wanted to come back to it. Uh, the value of our language not perishing. Well, oh, okay. So there's multiple reasons why we shouldn't we shouldn't let our language perish. Uh, but I think one thing that we have to realize is that if we let our language perish, if we let our identity perish as a people, uh, because there's a big difference between being a multicultural world. Because I started this this um, I started this series on my uh, Instagram called Rules for a Multicultural World, and I want to make it clear that there's a difference between a multicultural world and a multicolored world. A multicultural world is a world in which, you know, a a a, a whole bunch of cultures coexist. Um, that they may not have common purposes, they may not have common conclusions that they come to as a people, but they just coexist. And then a multicolored world is a world in which everybody there's a whole bunch of people of different colors. There will always be a multicolored world, but what that looks like is different for different people. But if it's just multicolored and not multicultural, that means that all the colors of all the colored people of different colors or different, you know, original diff, originally different cultures pretty much allowed themselves or accepted upon themselves one dominant culture. But the problem with that is that most likely whoever that dominant culture came from is going to see themselves as the, um, how do I put this? They, whoever that dominant culture is, they're going to see themselves as the kind of, well, we're the, we're the ones that know what this is supposed to be, how this works. So the rest of you should just fall in line. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you know, if 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 I started, you know, if I started my own culture called, um, uh, you know, Udochiism and or Wudo, right? And you know, somebody was like, "Oh, hey, you know, I think I like Wudo. I want to be a Wudo. I want to be Wudo too." And so I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure. Come over to Wudoism." They have to learn from me what Wudoism is, and then I have to tell them the rules about what Wudoism is. So they're never fully being themselves. They're really being uh, an imitation of Wudo. And if tomorrow I change my mind about what I want Wudo to be, if they and they're like, I don't agree with what you're saying. I'm like, you're if you're Wudo, you have to agree with what I'm saying. Then all of a sudden it becomes okay. So now we're trying to now they're trying to. It, it's just it's confusing. So it's, I mean, no matter what culture and life and people, humanity is confusing, but it's better to be able to mitigate that confusion through diversity. Diversity is strength. Um, and we see that in, in every aspect of life. Diversity is strength. Uh, uh, any species that is not able to, uh, diversify its, way of life or its species or if you don't have a gen if you don't have a, a diverse genetic makeup like if your makeup is if you just have like one type of if you specialize too much if you just you know 
specialize too much. You put all your eggs in one basket, as they say. Uh, that basket could break and all the eggs will shatter. And then all of a sudden, you don't have another way. There's no plan B. But if you have diversity, if you have your, your eggs scattered in, in different places, that even if something should come and destroy the eggs that are here, there's always another group over here that could that, that were able to survive. So for example, if we have, we have in America, we have the Amish, we have the people who don't have any technology. We have the people who live in a technological, technologically advanced world. And we have other people as well who live in some kind of hybrid. Some people who have got off the grid, but still use certain technologies and things of that nature. So supposing all the technology in the world decided to attack the people who have that technology. And those people died all off. Or suppose the people who didn't have any technology, you know, they were unaware of a certain attack that was coming and then they all were killed and just died off. What, what I mean, like, at the end of the day, there's always has to be a plan B for you. But if you're too busy trying to, if you have no, I feel like a lot of Africans don't even have a plan A for their countries. Like, you know, what are you leading towards? And we and we're sitting here fighting in Nigeria about race and culture, not realizing that that fact that we, there's so many different types of us is a strength in and of itself. And at the end of the day, we're compared, we're arguing with each other. I'm going to go on my own soapbox right now, but at the end of the day, we're arguing with each other about our identity, about who's better than who based off of somebody else's standard. Like who is, who's pretty much the argument is who's wider than who. Because it's like, oh yeah, we're the smartest because we were able to read English books and learn somebody else's scientific knowledge. Which, there's nothing wrong with science. I don't even think there's anything wrong with Amer uh, with English or Western science at all. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But at the end of the day, it's cu the cultural perspective that we take in science with. If you're learning English to learn science, you're learning English. And it's very difficult for you to translate that information back to your brethren who are in Igbo land again, or whatever African culture you are. It's very difficult for you to translate that information that you've obtained back to your own people. So it's so it's actually better for you to develop the sciences on, on your own, in your community, for your own people, by yourselves. Um, or if you are able to be bilingual, you know, somehow convert that information um, if you're like strongly bilingual, strong in English, as well as strong in your native, uh, indigenous African language, then you can more appropriately translate it for your own people. But otherwise it's just difficult. It's, it's difficult for you to ever bring that information back home in a way that is clear for them. And that's really what I want to leave you with today. You know, when people are coming against you, and your, 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 not just your dream, but just you, um, it could be, you could be an abusive relationship where a man, you know, you're, you're married and somebody's beating you, or you could be someone who has a dream or a vision and everybody tells you that it's crazy. It's stupid. Nobody, nobody's going to agree with you. You know, you're really smart. You just shouldn't do that. Um, or it could even be, um, more in the context of what I do here with Wudo, you could be someone who you're bilingual. You speak English and you speak 
Igbo or you speak English and you speak Amharic or you speak English and you speak, or even you speak French and English and then you also speak, you know, um, Swahili or something like that. And in your heart, maybe Swahili or Igbo or Amharic uh, were your first languages. And, and you're learning English because you feel like you have to. And you feel like there's no opportunities for you if you speak your native language. And you think to yourself, the, the power, the people who have the power and the money and the wealth in this world are the people who speak English and the people who don't look like me. And so I must change myself to fit the image of those who don't look like me. And to that I say, don't be afraid. Because the fact of the matter is that the power that is within you is actually greater than anything that could stop you. When somebody puts their entire heart and power and might into something, trust and believe that there's so much fruit that is that is harvested. There's so much reward that is reaped from just completely committing to the power that the just the drive the power the force that comes from just wanting just having that singleness of purpose that focused energy towards a goal that is greater than yourself that's a goal that actually that is driving you and it's not you're trying to change yourself and fit into some kind of box to drive something else so that's my two cents for today and just know this that everybody um Everything that's ever happened in this world came from somebody who was just doing something. So why should the thing that one person does be greater than the thing that you're doing? And if there's 50 million people, or even if there's 500 people doing one thing and you're doing something else, what makes them more powerful than you? If anything, they're more dull because each of them is doing the exact same thing. So they may be competing with each other. Whereas you're a unique entity unto yourself because you're doing something that only you can do. You understand? So think about everything that I've said. And at the end of the day, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of anybody who hates you for who you are. Because who you are is enough. All right. Uh, there's so many more things I could talk about right now, but and I think I'm just awake because of the uh, medicate the cold medicine that I've taken for this for this illness. It's kind of keeping me awake, but I'm gonna try to sleep now uh, because I think I'm running out of things to say. But I'm just thinking about this, and it's really burdening me tonight. But at the end of the day. My whole point is fear not. Atulegu. Atulegu. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Honestly, there's nothing that can stop you. And the best part about it is that once you let your light shine, other people will be empowered to let their own light shine because they'll see that you're doing it and you're fine. So, um, and many other reasons they'll feel that way too because they just know that there's something inside of them that they've been wanting to express and they see someone else expressing it and they're like, yes, I can do that too. So absolutely, don't be afraid. Okay, um, blossom where you're planted. Love you guys. Peace.